Welcome to the Grow Zone, real-time adventures. With Sarah Hübner, the communications adventurer, and Kerry Temple, the outdoor adventurer. Hello, and welcome to our second episode of our second series. My name is Sarah Hoopner. I'm a communications facilitator for team building, and I create enjoyable online events, especially parties. And by my side is Kerry Temple, our outdoors adventurer. Hello there. Yeah, I am the outdoors adventurer here, and I organize educational events and travel in the great outdoors. Yes, thank you. And in our second series, we are interviewing other adventurers. Our special guest today is Bronwyn Clinton. Welcome, Bronwyn. Hi, guys. How are you? Thanks so much for having me on. Oh, we're so pleased to have you here. Thank you for being our guest. <laughs> so Bronwyn and I met when we were students on the Erasmus scheme in Verona in Italy in the year 2000. <laughs> yeah, we bonded really over a shared passion for language learning and appreciation for exploring different cultures and also a shared love of red wine. <laughs> yeah. After, after university, Bronwyn took the route into tourism management and went on to work for some of Ireland's most well-known school tour agencies, focusing on international school travel. And in 2020, Bronwyn took the big step to go independent and started up her specialist group travel company, um, Broader Minds, and that launched in January 2020. Due to the pandemic, obviously, there was a, a big curveball thrown Bronwyn's <laughs> way, and she's had to adapt and find different routes. Now, I've had the great pleasure of knowing Bronwyn as a friend and We've also collaborated on different projects as well. Um, it's exciting when your paths come full circle and meet um, at another mm. point later on in life. And uh, Bronwyn's someone I look up to, not just because um, she's really creative and has a really proactive approach to navigating life's curveballs, but also saying yes to life. Um, she's <laughs> courageous in all areas and gets involved in a whole range of valuable causes. To me, she is a real-time adventurer. So, oh, Thank you, Kerry. Bronwyn, <laughs> is there anything that you'd like to add to that? No, that was a lovely introduction. Thanks so much. <laughs> <laughs> and likewise, it's such a pleasure to be working with you again after all this time. <laughs> Well, I have some fast questions for you. So just give us a one word answer, this okay. or that. Outdoors or indoors? Outdoors. Adventure or comfort zone? Adventure. Mountain or stage? Mountain. Cake or chips? Chips. Early bird or night owl? Night owl. <laughs> And what do you think when you hear the word adventure? Journey. What about improvisation? Um, thinking on your feet. <laughs> Learning. Learning experience. And now I would like three more words from you. What three words would you say describe you? 
risk taker, if that's one word, <laughs> um, <laughs> impulsive, probably resilient. Lovely. Thank you. You Thanks, survived Sarah. the first set of questions. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous. I don't know what's coming next. <laughs> oh, now we're just going to chat. Yeah. Uh, one thing that popped out to me was your hesitation with mountain or stage. Mm. How come? I don't know. I like being, you know, center of attention, throwing parties, that kind of thing. And I equally like being outdoors and not necessarily climbing mountains, as Kerry will attest to, not the kind of mountains that she would be in favour of. <laughs> the ones that I'd be used to are far different. So, yeah, I quite like the two in, in equal measures, but obviously I prefer mountains. Mm-hmm. And so what, what are your kind of mountains? In Ireland, we have very small mountains that generally would be like a cliff walk that would be very scenic, you know, that would uh, lead to some nice village with a nice meal afterwards or something like that, or coffee and a cake. (laughs) So it's not just about the mountains, it's about what goes with it. Exactly. Yeah, it generally tends to kind of be a day out, meeting with friends, catching up with family, you know, just fresh air and we generally would make a day of it, you know. We're very fortunate here to have in Dublin. Um, we're close to mountains and sea. So we have the best of both worlds, really. And really wild landscapes too. Yeah, yeah. I definitely want to go to Ireland again. I've only been there once and I recently did a DNA test in oh, which cool. um, like I'm 30, 35% Irish. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> well, wow. My grandmother and my grandfather, well, especially my grandmother's side was Irish and 25% Scottish. So I've got more cool. British blood than German in me. I'm only 60% mm-hmm. German. <laughs> do you know where they're from or have you, does it give you that information? Or Yep. I oh, do. I think uh, Donegal. Oh, Donegal. Lovely. Beautiful there. <laughs> we'll make that your next trip, Kerry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bring Sarah along to meet her Definitely. ancestors. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah. And Galway. Yeah. I know that my grandmother's side was from Galway, but Donegal, mm. I think that's where a lot of them are from and Maybe. all shipbuilders. Anyway, uh, yeah. back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what inspired your love of travel and languages? Yeah, I was thinking about this. I must say uh, it's a it's an interesting question because from from a really young age, it was just always in my family. And I suppose in Ireland, when I was small, traveling was such a luxury. I mean, it wasn't, you know, we didn't live in the mainland in Europe. You can't just get in a car and flights were, you know, there weren't that many. There weren't an abundance it was before Ryanair, you know, which I'm very fortunate that that Ryanair came along, you know. And I always remember at Christmas time visiting my uh, uncle and aunt. And I used to drive to the airport with my uncle to collect my cousin. She'd come home from Christmas from Paris. And I just always remember thinking like the airport was such an exotic place. And like Paris, who even lives in Paris, you know, so cosmopolitan. (laughs) And I think probably a lot of Irish people had to travel for work. They had to leave the country. So I had a lot of family who lived abroad. I had an uncle that lived in New Zealand who I didn't meet, I don't think, until I was about 10 or 11. He, he and his, his wife and his kids, my cousins, 
they used to write to us and they'd send us, you know, postcards and calendars and, you know, like New Zealand's just always looked like such a magical place, you know. So I think it was just always, it was always there. And my parents are avid travellers, always have been. And they're always really curious about the world. So I think it was just something that I took for granted. You know, it was just something you did. It was only then as I kind of became older that I realised people really didn't do this as the norm. You know, it was more, that was the exception. And what, what inspired you to start learning languages? I don't know. I learned them from a young age in school. We did mm-hmm. uh, French and German. That mm-hmm. was optional. And uh, probably the fact that I love talking so much, Gary. <laughs> I wanted to annoy, you know, a few other nations. Um, yeah, that was probably it. And then we were very lucky in that we had a lot of choices in school, you mm-hmm. know, French, German or, or Spanish. And then for some very strange reason, when I went to university, I decided, sure, I'll start Italian from scratch. Why mm-hmm. would you bother the last 14 years of your life using any of those languages <laughs> <laughs> but I really wanted to go to Italy for my Erasmus year so mm. uh, I think that was what changed my mind really that was what made up my mind I guess. And do you consider learning a language an adventure? Definitely absolutely I think there are very different ways of learning a language I think when I was in university it was very structured you know, we studied the Divine Comedy. We, we, you know, it was more like a literature learning. And by the time I got to Italy for in Verona, where I met you, Carrie, mm-hmm. my spoken Italian, my conversational Italian was practically non-existent, you know. So in order to learn it properly in the way that they speak it, you know, you got a job, you made friends, you did those kind of things. You know, Carrie and I did a little bit of traveling in a tent around Italy <laughs> and then I got a lovely job in, in a restaurant in Sorrento which was interesting um, and all of that was an adventure you know I wouldn't be able to speak it the way I I do now you know I still use it that's 20 years on so yeah yeah I think that's it I mean that's that's how you you've got to throw yourself into it haven't you in terms of adventure and not be worried about failing Mm. which is I think what holds a lot of people back in language learning is that worry about making a mistake which links also to improv Sarah (laughs) yes so were you ever I mean I know that you're you you know you like communicating and therefore that probably just takes over that fear of it but do you remember a time where you felt really yeah really nervous on the journey absolutely yeah I remember Mm. I actually made a very conscious decision when we were in Verona I remember before Christmas, because I would have, I suppose, palled around more with English, mm-hmm. Irish, native English speakers, you know, mm-hmm. and everybody in the bar I worked spoke English and I taught English. So I didn't really have to push myself. And I remember going home at Christmas and thinking, I really can't speak a whole lot of that language, you know. And after Christmas coming back, because I suppose when I had first arrived, I mean, we were only 20, you know, Mm -hmm. still very young. You don't have the confidence you have now, you know. And definitely I was so afraid of making mistakes and getting the grammar wrong. And I was afraid of actually so many things that have prevented me from just having a conversation, Mm -hmm. you know. And once that block was gone in my mind, it just became so much easier, you know. Mm. 
And in my experience, because I also like travel and like I speak a couple of languages, not all very well, um, but even just making the effort to speak the language of the country that you're in opens up doors, it opens people's hearts, and they want to connect rather than assuming that people speak English. Definitely. It's a different, it's a whole different experience. It really is, you know. And it's like, um, at the moment, I'm actually teaching my partner Italian, which is, he's doing really well. And I'm I'm (laughs) actually kind of like, I have to do a bit of revision. So it's good. (laughs) But I keep saying to him, you know, forget about all of this. You don't need that. This is what you need to be understood. You know, so it's quite an, an unconventional way of teaching Italian. <laughs> but he just needs to get by when he's there and when mm. we're on holiday, you know. And I really think that I wish there was more emphasis on that mm-hmm. when yeah. you're learning a language, you know, that it would be just put your inhibitions away. And if you make a mistake, you make a mistake. But people will be so, you know, mm. open to you speaking their language that it won't really matter as long as you're understood, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the so the intention is for communication, not necessarily for perfection, yeah. grammatical mm-hmm. perfection. And I know that in the Bavarian school system was definitely on like perfection of language. And then being a language teacher at international schools, um, when I taught German as a foreign language, mm-hmm. uh, often like I would differentiate. Now, this is not for accuracy. This is for communication. And mm-hmm. then you don't correct every mistake. It's about are the, the, the students getting their points across. And it's, it's so freeing to be able to do that. And then you can be adventurous than being full of fear of making a mistake and being graded for that <laughs> or downgraded. <Yeah. laughs> Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's the whole thing. Like I always say, I'm not going to be a translator for the UN any day, you know, but like I will get by and I'll be able to negotiate hotel rates and whatever it is I need to do. And, you know, I'll enjoy myself at the same time. Mm. What, what have you learned about the cultures through learning the language? Just as an example, like I learned a bit of Chinese when I was a Mandarin when I was over there and just learning how the signs work. I always thought that was amazing how a sign sort of explains to them where word comes from, which helped me understand where they're coming from or how important word order is. So that also explains the hierarchical structure to a certain extent that they have. Do you have any examples with other languages where you've learned more about the mentality? I suppose probably Italian would be the one that I would identify the most with, you know? And I love the way that their language is there. Uh, it's so expressive, but that they they use the shortest amount of words to express themselves. And it's all about the intonation and the emphasis. And, you know, um, <laughs> which is if you know Italian people, that's actually how I see them. You know, in life, you know, it, they could just give you a kind of a shrug or, or a look. And that could mean a whole sentence that we would say in English. You know, <laughs> and I feel that their language reflects that in many ways. And their body language, right? The the connection Absolutely. between <laughs> both. <laughs> Big time. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Their body language. Yeah. That's why I think they always wear sunglasses so often. <laughs> hide their eyes so you can't, uh, you can't see what they're thinking. <laughs> I love the Italians, obviously. But, uh, but yeah, you learn, I think you learn a lot more when you speak a bit mm-hmm. of their language, you know, because like what you said, they're, they're a bit more open to communication, mm-hmm. like. 
Yeah, I think they're um, the language kind of your when you learn the Italian language. I mean, I think probably this applies to every language, but the, the Italian language is just like everything. It's so linked to the culture, the arts, the creativity, the almost every sense. I think you get through um, through of of Italian through through the language. Mm. It's real, like lively, full of life, which is what I think it- Italy is and Italians are as a culture it's that very vibrant definitely yeah sometimes yeah Elizabeth Gilbert describes it quite nicely in Eat Pray Love how it, where, also where Italian originated from and how it developed oh, and we could do a oh, whole yeah. podcast de- dedicated <laughs> to love of Italy I'd <laughs> <laughs> oh, <my God>, yeah. <laughs> like stop I just want to go there now and have a slice of pizza and a glass of wine <laughs> <laughs> so, nice. soon, soon. so um, moving on to um, it's from from languages to your career path. Can you maybe t- take us through the stepping stones and um, yeah, you're a bit about your your journey through through your career to the point that you're yeah that you're at now. Yeah, sure. After uni, I worked in a, a group tour company. And I was there for a few years before I decided to go traveling. So I went traveling with a couple of friends and we were, we were christened at the time, the Flashpackers, because we decided to take a year out and not work and just travel the world, uh, which is exactly what we did. And we had a great time. And um, when I came home, I wasn't, I didn't feel I was quite ready to settle in Dublin. So I went off to London for a year and I worked for GTA Gulliver's Travel, which at the time were the largest uh, wholesale tour operator in the world. So I worked in their groups department. And then when I came home, it really just went from, I kind of went from company to company. So I I went back to the company I had previously worked in, in a sales capacity, because I'd always kind of worked on the customer service, the organization of the tours mainly the Italian tours, you know, and I went in in a sales capacity and really from there, it just took legs and I was approached by company after company. And eventually then I decided that it was time to just do it for myself and do it in a, in a different way. You know, as you know, I focus more now on mm-hmm. adult groups, corporate groups, smaller groups, and we're very, very focused with the outdoor element and putting your phone away, screens off, you know, for a certain time in the day and uh, a nice little bit of exercise, but it's not necessarily for people who are absolute fanatics, wouldn't be boot camp or retreat in any mm-hmm. way. You know, a few people have said to me, oh, I'd love to go on one of your retreats. And I, I, I still have to find the word for what they are. The yoga, hike and dying trips, Terry. But uh, they're by no means a retreat. Um, but I suppose it's, 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 it's an experience for people to just switch off, you know. And that's really where my main focus is now. And for next year, what we're going to do is launch weddings, weddings abroad, preferably in Italy, because as you know, most of the venues I use would be the very, you know, wedding focused Mm -hmm. and I think that's really that's my career in a nutshell which is a very shortened version of uh, (laughs) all the gory details (laughs) but uh yeah that's the short version it's exciting and it's been interesting to see you and watch that that growth and also be there at the start of um your business 
too. And you've had like a bumper of a year for start, starting a business. <laughs> what would you say are the most three most important skills that that you've developed to succeed in, in starting your own business? Patience. I've had to learn a lot of patience. I, I don't have a lot of patience normally. And um, patience because you're so reliant on external factors. So mm-hmm. no matter how hard you work, no matter what you do, sometimes you just have to take a step back, you know, COVID or something like it, there'll always be something that will affect the travel industry or your external suppliers or something like that. So I've had to learn an awful lot of that. Resilience. I'm generally, I'm very resilient anyway. So I think I just learned how to manage it better, manage my time better. I don't know, I guess asking for help, I think, is is really important. I think knowing when to say to people, you know, I need, I need help with this or what do you know about that? And there's no shame in it. I think a lot of people will, particularly in Ireland, you know, if you work for yourself, you're doing everything yourself. And I just think, why would you not ask someone who's maybe already experienced this, who will be in a position to help you, you know? And I think they're probably the three things that, you know, I'll always need, no matter what happens. Mm-hmm. Do you have any special resilience strategies that you use, or how, how? What makes you so resilient? I don't know. I suppose I'm very good at. Um, I've really learned how to switch off, and like that, you just you put the phone away. You you do what you have to do. You go either for. I started sea swimming over a year ago, go for a walk, pick up the phone, talk to somebody. I'm very good in the company that I keep. And I think that that's actually, it's more so now as I get a bit older, I'm learning. It's actually more of a skill than, <laughs> um, you know, you, you can stay friends with the people that you want to stay friends with because you've been friends with them for 20 years and you went to school together. Or you can actually seek out the people who you know in your life, naturally, you you benefit each other, you know, and you nurture those relationships. And uh, I think I'm actually quite good at doing that, you know, reaching out to people. And and um, and for me, people people are like medicine, you know. You know that Kerry, that mm-hmm. being around good people and and just being able to enjoy their company or a bit of a laugh. That to me is like any tonic, like swimming in the sea, you know. So it's not all just down to me it's down to the people the company that I keep and sometimes you have other people Mm -hmm. who have your back and who say you know everything's going to be okay you just don't need to worry about this right now you know and I think I'm very fortunate in that way you know absolutely that's a really important point having that those yeah connections isn't it definitely yeah um yeah and I don't think it's just being fortunate you yourself have made those choices of mm-hmm. who you want to surround yourself with and you're obviously someone who attracts people who also want to be supportive and I like the way I'm perceiving you because I just met you is like open-minded and optimistic rather than downbeat about things <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah which I try to be I think I just am naturally yeah Absolutely. I would say that knowing you, Bromwich, <laughs> that that's <laughs> one of your, your, your great traits is, is po- you know, optimism and posit- always seeing the positive. Yeah. Nothing a good glass of wine uh, cannot sort out. 
<laughs> I'm a firm believer in that. <laughs> what is one of your biggest adventures, would you say, that you've been on? My biggest adventure? I, well, the first biggest adventure, I would say, was moving to Verona when I was 20. Because in Ireland, it would be very common that you live at home during university. So I was still living at home with my parents and, you know, I had my boyfriend and we had our life and I had my job and everything was very, um, it was very routine and easy. And yeah, I just remember arriving in Verona and thinking, I can't speak a word of this language and where am I going to get a job? And I don't really know anyone here. I vaguely knew a few people from college, but considering I didn't really attend my classes as often as I should have, uh, I could have known them better. (laughs) So that was probably the first biggest adventure and and definitely travel-wise, you know. The second one was probably when when we all quit our jobs to go traveling for, for a year and just said, sure, we'll see what happens. And uh, and that we did. And we went and just had a really amazing time, you know. Do you remember a special moment when that was particularly challenging? Many of them. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah, there were times, there were really times when, um, and I know this sounds ridiculous, but I I think when we were traveling for 12 months, because we didn't stop and because we weren't working, we almost got a little bit travel fatigue or we kind of took things a bit for granted. I remember being on the way home in Southeast Asia and thinking, oh, if I see another temple, you know, or if I eat another noodle. And I almost had to kind of rein myself Mm -hmm. in and say, do you know how fortunate you are to be here, you know? But challenging in terms of, I think there were there were definitely times where we were tired and travel wise, you know, in airports and your baggage getting lost and you know when we went to we were in Bolivia and we got stuck in the rainforest because they they just couldn't fly in because they just land on grass and there had been too much rain so we were basically like stuck in this little village Hotel California comes to mind you know quite often um but I was very fortunate in that the the two friends I traveled with were as like-minded as me probably to a little bit of a lesser extent that we just made the most of it, you know. There were lots of very challenging times, but we managed, we just got through them, you know. We were lucky. You end up with more good stories through the challenging times. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's very true. I still can't listen to Hotel California. Brian, <laughs> I know that in, re- in recent years too, you're still, you're doing all sorts of other adventurous things in your spare time. Yeah. It was last year that you chose to take on another adventure on the stage. That to me was a really brave thing to do because I, I can adventure outdoors and do all the different things outdoors, but to stand on a stage and do something that's that's fairly new is yeah, is really quite intimidating. But um, yeah, I was wondering if if you if you wanted to, uh, yeah explain a bit about it about your your dance move. <laughs> <laughs> And yeah, tell tell maybe our listeners about it, and also yeah, how you felt about the adventure adventures of being on stage. 
Because that's a different experience that I'm yeah used to. Well, that was challenging. The training was hard. I didn't expect it. It was a strictly uh, kind dancing for charity for for um, a local charity that I I work with. Well, obviously not currently. Yeah, the training was tough. I didn't expect it to be as tough as it was. You know, so we trained. We trained quite a lot, like twice or three times a week, and. Uh, Who was your teacher? Were, were they from Strictly Come Dancing? How does no, that work? No, so it's basically, what do they call it? Osnum Comes Dancing. So Osnum House, it's, it's like a summer camp and a summer school and an after school for kids in the area, uh, disadvantaged kids. And what they do is they they just hire in a dance teacher, June, she's amazing. And it's the same woman every year. So I'm guessing she gives up her time to be there, you know, because obviously everybody's given their time and trying to raise money and she's brilliant like she's dealing with all sorts of personalities and you know and yeah so that was last March just before lockdown here in in Dublin so um it's funny because everybody's you know uh that was the last time a lot of my friends saw people you know <laughs> it's like last time I saw everyone was at your strictly And yeah, I didn't think, I just kind of did it to raise money and I didn't really think about it. And then it was only as it became closer to the time, I started realizing how nerve wracking it actually was. And yeah, I do it again. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. But uh, it, was, it was quite nerve wracking to stand up there on the stage and make sure you didn't fall over or get your dance moves wrong or make a mistake. Interesting how having a bigger goal in mind can help you to do something out of your comfort zone that you may normally have not done if it had just been that definitely, in itself. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was because I had volunteered at the summer camp the year before and, you know, you see all the posters around and it was somebody who had said it to me, you know, would you do it? And we're stuck for a couple and you probably know loads of guys who'd volunteer for this, um, which wasn't the case, but uh, I, I managed, <laughs> I managed to find one. I managed to nab one and convince them to do it with me. So yeah, you're right, Sarah. Exactly. Like I was more focused on raising the money and, you know, all of that kind of stuff and learning the moves as opposed to, uh Oh, here we are now at dress rehearsal and uh-oh this is happening so but look it's so good to do these things you know so do you always strive for adventures or do you also enjoy a bit of downtime or quiet time <laughs> i'm getting better at quiet time i used to be a person who never sat still as i got older i realized that you know, eventually you just burn out. You're so tired. And then almost like you don't really appreciate as much all the good times, you know? And I do, on Sundays, I generally tend to try and do nothing. That's like feed up, bath, book, nice meal, you know. Well, obviously in lockdown, you're quite regimented. So Sundays is just the day for that at the moment. I am I am getting a lot better at it. I There's part of me that thinks, Once we come out of lockdown here in Ireland, I'll probably be, you know, crazy to meet people and do this and do that. But I hope that I will have learned, you know, just take a few hours in the week to just chill out, you know, it's like recharging mm. your batteries. 
And what role does nature play in for you in recharging your batteries? Uh, well, I love being outside no matter what, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, as you know, we don't have the weather here in Ireland. So <laughs> you just have to get on with it. So I would tend to, like, I'd be very good at getting out for my walks, do a sea swim. It's been good that, I suppose, in one way, all the outdoor meeting now that we have in Ireland has encouraged people to say, oh, I'll meet you for a coffee and we go for a walk on the beach. Whereas that would have been something mm-hmm. two years ago, you'd suggest people would think you're mental and why aren't you going to the pub? <laughs> you know, so um, it's a hu- it plays a huge role. If I don't like get out in the fresh air every day, mm-hmm. you know, I feel it, especially in winter because it's hard, because it's dark all the time mm-hmm. and you're not as inspired. But certainly now at this time of year, I'll be out walking lunchtime or in the evening or in the mornings, you know, so. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that you kind of think about it as being bad weather with the wind and the rain. And I really miss that sensation mm. of, of um, like that feeling like the hour expression we have to blow the cobwebs away, yeah. um, you know, and I, and having, I mean, when you walk anywhere, when you live on an island, whether it's Ireland or the British Isles or like I spend a lot of time in Wales yeah. also when I was growing up and and walking by the coast and you come in and you've got that like, you feel like the salt on your skin and everything, your hair is every different direction. and But you feel like everything's just been like shook out, shaken out of you. And um, well, you can do lots of things in all conditions here in the mountains and it's wonderful and you also get different, you know, different feelings. But that that real... Yeah, cobwebs swept oh, swept away feeling. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I really love that about 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 um yeah, yeah about Ireland and the British Isles. And you do like we, we don't tend quite to get here. miss the sea as well. Like each other night, yeah. we drove to the beach and got a bag of chips and brought our chairs mm-hmm. and we sat there in our winter coats. And I was like, <laughs> I just I, there's just something about the sea air that like it's this, yeah. you know, mm. vitamin C. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Yeah. <laughs> well, how about a game? <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Good. Let's go back to languages. And we'd love to be inspired by you, Bronwyn, because I know that you speak Gaelic. Well, Kerry told me, and you said, Yeah, that. well, most of us <laughs> do here. Yeah, yeah, Irish. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, I'd love to, like, Gaelic, I have no idea, I don't know any Gaelic, so except for one word which you taught us before, and you will be repeating that. <laughs> so, could you give us a word, and then Kerry will give a definition, and I will give a little story about that and then we'll see if our definition and story links with the real meaning of that and we'll we'll do that like a couple of times <laughs> yeah okay let go yes yeah. go for it okay gansey <laughs> gansey is a really beautiful spring flower mm. yeah gansey's only are in blossom in the last week of April in Germany, in the southern part of Germany, and the first week of May. So actually, they're about they should be out right now. I'm going to um, peek out of my oh, yep, there's a Gansey. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it mean? <laughs> it means jumper. <laughs> oh, <laughs> those jumper plants yeah. growing yeah. all over yeah. the place. Yeah. 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 
another word and I'll uh, define, uh, give a definition and mm-hmm. Kerry will tell us a little mm-hmm. anecdote. <laughs> okay. Graw. Graw is uh, what my cat always um, says, <laughs> or oh, is the definition, well, it's the word that cats do when they want food. Yeah, so my cat, every morning when I wake up, it speaks to me in this loud grow. I really say to him, you know, you don't need to be so aggressive. It's first thing in the morning, calm down a little, um, you know, go and do a bit of a morning meditation and then you'll get your food. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm amazed, Kerry, at your ability of talking or your expectations of your cat understanding <laughs> <laughs> what you tell it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, what, what does grow mean? Love. Oh. Ah. Ah, okay. Wow. Yeah. My aggressive cat doesn't know that. Apparently not. No. <laughs> uh, one more word, please. Let me think. Let me think. Clown. Clown. Well, clown is the sport that children play in the playground before they stay, before they go to secondary school. My niece, she is still in elementary school and she's not quite at the Kiaun phase because she's still the lower end of elementary school, but she has told me about the older kids that are playing it and getting ready in the way for secondary school that way. <laughs> Kiaun in Irish means head. interesting you need to study a bit more Irish for us (laughs) we'd fail the vocabulary test (laughs) so it's interesting to see how sounds evoke something in us and how our brains are probably programmed all three brains are programmed completely differently or quite differently mm-hmm. due to our language backgrounds yeah mm. yeah no it's interesting i think it's fun to um it's fun to see i i i think also the funny thing is i think you relate it when you hear sounds don't you and i think the, was it gansey i just thought of pansy so yeah that, for me yeah, was, yeah. Yeah. that was the link but obviously yeah. it's um yeah clown reminded me of clown yeah <laughs> the sound yeah. um one of the things I love about learning languages and that's a bit just like the game it, it is a bit like a game and that sometimes when you um when you don't know you have these conversations with people and you really don't quite grasp a word and you just go with it and sometimes it works out and sometimes you go down a whole different path and it does end up being a bit surreal like that but it's always a funny story to say at the end mm. <laughs> yeah. and it's a good game it is a good like game it. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. And I think it's useful to work with the languages we know when you learn another language. Mm -hmm. What does it sound like to me? And then I'll be able Mm -hmm. to remember it more. And I actually did play this game occasionally with students as Mm -hmm. a language teacher Mm -hmm. and hoping that they wouldn't remember the wrong definition. (laughs) 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 But it's helping to build connections because we always need connections I think, well, the more you have within a language, the easier it gets. Yeah, definitely. That's true. Yeah, Yeah, fun game, Sarah. 
fun Thank game. You. <laughs> Thank you for joining it. <laughs> well, shall we come towards the end and ask you a final question? Go first. Okay. So if you could only have one more adventure in your life, what would it be? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, God. On a yacht so I could see as many places as possible. <laughs> oh, I would love to see Central America. Um, I haven't been to lots of parts of Africa. You've got to decide on one. One, one. Oh, I don't <laughs> one adventure. Know. Or it could be your yachting adventure. Exactly. It could be sailing My around yachting the world, adventure and I'm yeah. going to sail around the world. There you yeah. go. <laughs> and I'm going to have um, a private chef on board. <laughs> Do you, cool. Are you are you into cooking? That's I know that's I love question. cooking. I love cooking. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'd still like your own private chef on, the oh, board, yeah. on board. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Totally sure I'd be relaxing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> well, this is been rather exciting hearing your adventures and how you started off with your own business in 2020, beginning of 2020. I started mid 2020 and like, I understand uh -huh. the challenges. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Kerry, what are you going to take with you from this? Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with Bronwyn, although I know you pretty well, Bronwyn. It's actually yeah. been really nice to ask questions that we don't, you know, we don't normally talk about because we, we, you know, we talk about other, you know, other things that are almost more in the moment at, at times yeah. rather than all these things because we've known each other for longer. So it's nice to kind of go back and revisit, yeah, the roots, I'd say, of, of where our our joint interests started and also yeah where your love of languages um came from because i'd not i think they're things that we've just assumed and not talked necessarily yeah. about and yeah also about how yeah the skills that that you've developed to stay resilient in these times i think is really mm -hmm. really valuable and they're things that that yeah that i'd take with me as well and also a bit of a desire now to go and travel and go to Italy again <laughs> I can't wait also get back into to brushing up my Italian as well yeah I know um Sarah what will you yep. take away from this from our meeting with Bronwyn well the link between languages and adventures like it seems that I'm not sure if it's a well, chicken and egg situation, if the the love for traveling and going on adventures like, triggers you to learn languages or if language learning is the first step to stepping out and uh, starting like, adventures and leaving your comfort zone um, physically after going through the more mental process yeah. of learning the language, which where you're always also out of your comfort zone. So that's an interesting loop or link, or maybe it's a cycle <laughs> for <Yeah>. some of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure for us to have Bronwyn Clinton here. And if you'd like to find out more about Bronwyn or connect with her, you will find all details in the show notes. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Grow Zone Real-Time Adventures. 
For more adventures and information, check out www.sarahhoopner.de, the grow zone, or fourelements.eu.